This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels
Hey everyone, we're back. National Fire Radio's podcast. This regular face keeps popping up in my world all the way from across the world. Gerard, man, thanks for joining me, buddy. It's always so good thanks. to see your smiling face. Thanks for having me, bro. It's good to see you. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you since that night in New Jersey. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this is this is a great story. I want to talk about this a little bit. So you come, you come into the States uh, for FDIC. You stick around uh, afterwards. You hang out with our buddy Pip for a day or two down in New Jersey. And then you come up um, to the city, New York City, where I'm out of. I'm out of like 20 minutes outside of the city where I am. You bop around the city for like two days. And I said, listen, man, I, I need to take you out to dinner, you know, as appreciation for being on the podcast um, and just getting to know you. Like for me, that's what this is all about. Like I love breaking bread with friends, obviously not a little guy, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy the, I, I enjoy the spirit of a restaurant, good food and good drink makes for good conversation and good company. Um, and, and that's always been very important to me. My wife and I, uh, a little plug for our favorite place in the world. Uh, it's called Augustino's down in Hoboken, New Jersey. Hoboken, New Jersey is well, one square mile city right across from New York city, like, uh, mid to eh, probably like che across from Chelsea piers, if you will. Um, and it's where, like where the Lincoln tunnel is that goes across to the city and so on. Anyway, they have an incredible, uh, food scene there. And one of our favorite restaurants is called Augustino's. And my wife and I have been going there for over 20 years. There's only eight. Well, I, you know what? I want you to describe it because it's such a unique place, right? But I want to put it in perspective. My wife and I have been going there. Terry and I have been going there for 20 years, uh, about 10, I'd say about five or seven years ago, we became regulars to the point that we got a standing reservation at the restaurant that the third Friday of every month, we get a four top and uh, and that's our table for the night from eight o'clock on. That's our table and we can stay till closing or whatever. But that's how they do it there. It's old school Italian um, and it's freaking good. But brother, explain the restaurant. Give me give me a rundown of that night. I want to hear this because this is important to me, man. I love sharing my personal life with friends. And um, and, you know, a lot of people know me from National Fire Radio. A lot of people uh, know me or have gotten to know me through, you know, national fire radio or the firehouse, but not everybody gets to go to Augustino's. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, man, like, so, uh, yeah. So after every FDIC, I have a little ritual. I go hang out with Pip for a couple of days. It's my little Pipcation. Nice. And, um, we hang out in Jersey and then my cousin lives in Williamsburg and I don't see him much Brooklyn. obviously because it's, yeah. Yeah, Brooklyn, because it's half a world away. So every time I'm in the, the country, I have to go hang out with her for a bit because she's my cousin and I love her and her partner. They're really good people. Sure. And so we were hanging out in the city and like pretty much spending our time between Brooklyn and downtown Manhattan. And then uh, we were going to go to dinner. So I catch the path train across. You come and get me from the station. I walk out and it's just a completely different city to the one I left in New York. Like it was busy over there. Um, you pick me up, you drive me down what looks like a movie set. <laughs> like coming from it's cool, yeah, right? Gonna, <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we went to the little bar beforehand, had a couple of wines, and then you take me into this restaurant, and I'm talking like there's 18 seats. Yeah, eight tables yeah. in the whole place. There's only eight, eight tables. tables. Yeah. Yeah, eight tables. And you can tell, like, as soon as you walk in there, you can tell that you can't get a seat here. Right. Like. Right. If if you were to try and book dinner, you're not getting a seat there unless someone 
passes away or moves away or does something. <laughs> That's like, exactly it, man. That's exactly. I think yeah. somebody had to die for us to get our reservation as a regular. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And like you can see it with the interaction between the customers and the front of house, back of house, yeah. and just the food. Man. I dream about that food. Do you, I, it, no bullshit. Do you, like, do um, you, um, no bullshit. I dream about the sausage with the balsamic and the grapes. Yeah. Un, unheard of. The pork chop, the pork chop with the uh, peppers and vinegar. Pepper. Yeah. yeah. And the only other thing I dream about from that trip is, uh, Bobby Eckhart put me onto him. DeFonte sandwich shop. Oh yeah, down in Red Hook. Absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, it's good, right? I, I dream about that. So yeah. Uh, so so they're the three things I dream about. You know, I it's you know it's cool, man. Guys, I love guys that are foodies. I love guys that appreciate a good meal. And um, you know, for me, it was really important to get to know you too. There was just something about you, right? The the first time we met, we kicked it off. It was just a, a great back and forth. Um, you have this just this likable thing about you. I don't want to like you, and yet I love you. You know what I mean? Like you, but Thanks, I, I think it's I think it's your demeanor. You're always smiling. You always seem to be. Um, on the, you're a glass, glass half full guy, which I, I need more of in my life. And, um, I appreciate friends like you. So that's why it was important. And, um, and also I wanted you to get to meet Terry and, um, and see my rock because without her, bro, I got nothing. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot of fun, but the Augustino's down in Hoboken. Uh, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, try to get a reservation, but it usually takes a month or two or three to, to get a reservation. Um, I have reservations on the third Friday of every month. So if you guys are interested in joining me, feel free to leverage yourselves uh, against uh, one another to try to get a seat. That would be a lot of fun. Maybe it's a game we could play down the road. Um, but they do have unbelievable food. Their food there is next next level uh, Italian. It's certainly not your standard Italian fare. Um, hot sausage with reduced balsamic and fresh grapes. Like never had that anywhere anywhere else other than there. It's killer. Uh, and then their pork chops. Um, you get them sautéed with uh, vinegar and hot peppers. And um, the pork chops are the size of uh, I don't even know oven mitts. I mean they're massive. Uh, they're double cut, and you can't you can't finish a single portion, let alone a double. So, um, unbelievable. But it's that to me is is my my uh, my life outside of National Fire Radio, and I love crossing paths and and mixing the two, my personal and the firehouse, obviously. And I've had a lot of guys come with me there, um, and and it's a special place for me. So I bring special people. Um, so I'm glad you joined us, man. It was awesome. You came across, took the train across picked you up at the path station and then we went to dinner and um it was just a magical night man so i appreciate you very much for that and uh, so it was a lot man. of fun i appreciate you for sharing that with me man like it shows me that you know this isn't just two guys talking yeah this is, yeah. This is yeah, yeah all that all that you know, I can stuff. I connect with all my guests, you know, and and uh, and you know, some are just guys you text every once in a while, or a quick phone call, or some some guys you do a little bit more with, and then there's a handful of guys that you really hit it off with and you connect with, and um, you're certainly one of those. So I am looking forward to you returning this uh, this. You owe me now. So when I come when I come down under, uh, when I come to Australia, you you're gonna you're gonna have to take me out to your finest sizzler there. I think. Now, now, just so you know, there's no blooming onions. There is no blooming onions in the, the whole country. The outback doesn't exist in. Uh, that's funny. No, I've never heard of a blooming onion. Like I was over <laughs> there, and people were telling me, like, "Oh man, I love your blooming onions," and I'm like, "What is a? What the what hell are you talking about?" Onion? Yeah, that's hilarious. That's absolutely hilarious. 
So I'm not surprised though, right? Like let's live it up here and, 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 uh, you know, show off the Australian culture through a chain steakhouse, you know? Yeah. That's the way to it's do so it. So interesting though, when you, when you say that, like I remember, um, when I've given presentations around the place, like around internationally, sure. yeah, I always show photos of my city, the city I work in Melbourne and no one can believe it. Like we've got, 5.25 million people, I think. We're Australia's second largest city. Um, and we've got buildings like that are 300 meters. So like thousand foot skyscrapers. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, hang on. When I picture Australia, I picture a kangaroo, a bridge, an opera house that looks weird and a big rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I mean, you guys have a, uh, it's a major metropolitan city. It's no different than anywhere else. Yeah, and it's it's Chicago basically. Like that's mm. what I liken it to in the states. Like we're on a big bay, you get the wind. Um, yeah, the history of real working class people becoming very upper class now. It's yeah, it's an interesting city, and um, it's got horrible weather, so it has to have a personality. What do you mean horrible weather? I don't. So I don't Melbourne, picture that. I envision just beautiful weather every single day. You know. So we're inverse to you, the other way around. So yeah. uh, I'm in I'm in your northeast, mm. um, and I can have four seasons in one day. Like if you, it could be the middle of summer, bring a raincoat, bring and like beautiful blue skies, sunny as, bring a raincoat. You don't know if it's going to rain. You don't know if it's going to turn to like drop twenty degrees. You don't know what's going on. Really, Melbourne always keeps you in those. Yeah, and it's known for it. That's interesting. Okay. All right. I did not know that about uh, Australia. I've never been. I, I It's one place I'd like to go for sure. My father's yeah. been there, told me all about it. Um, he said he loved it. He walked that one bridge where you walk up the, you walk up across the top of it, right? They like strap you yeah. in with, yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's It just sounds like a magical place, you know? You, you I, I think because it's so far away that it's like this magical land, you know? And it's like, you know, kangaroos and, you know, crocodile Dundee. I mean, this is bullshit, like, what we're fed here in the States about what Australia is. But, um, you know, but let's wrap that back around to the fire service, though. I mean, you're a fireman in a major metropolitan city, right? It's a very yeah. big department, too. Yep, so we got 4,000 on the job, um, busy, just like every other department that's about that size. Uh, the only thing is we probably, and we get, this might be the best segue to get yeah. into it. Um, yeah, so I like to think of myself as an international student of the fire service. Oh, I love that. Talk about it. That's that's what I want to, that's what, like, I'm interested in this beyond just going to work, obviously. And I want to learn about how everyone does it because I think everyone's doing it right. And, you know, probably everyone's doing it wrong at the same time in the 100%. same amounts of things. So I want to see what people do and and how they do it and what they're trying to achieve by doing it and their reasons for doing something. Like just that Ted Lasso quote, stay curious. So traveling over there, seeing how um, firefighters in the North America do it, going over to Europe and seeing how the Europeans do it. And we're, we're more European than you guys. Um, like there is definitely some US influence in the way my brigade operates. Right. But that's a bit of an anomaly even for Australia. Um, where, but yeah, Australia predominantly subscribes to more of a UK fire services model. 
So we don't have truck companies. We don't even call them companies. They're stations, uh, appliances instead of apparatus. Right. Um, yeah. And then like, you know, we ride four on a pump and we do everything. So it's kind of like squad companies everywhere you go. If I was to liken it to you guys. Yeah. I mean, you're cross-trained for any discipline that you come across, right? I mean, your company, yeah, I mean, a- you, you can call for additional resources, but your uh, pump right? Which is equal to like an engine, but it's here. It would be an engine that also carries truck and rescue equipment, right? Yeah. Rope gear, rescue gear, medical gear, all of it. And then like for our trucks, like I'm, I'm on our ladder 47 at the moment and it's a Bronto. If people know what a Bronto appliance is, Uh, but it's a single cab. So it's just me and another firefighter. Right. And we turn up, and it's just us and we do all that kind of work but the search and rescue work's already being done internally by guys on the pump your so, Bra- your brano brano skylifts are known to be very tall apparatus right 135 yeah. feet and and so on what what is yours uh, i think ours is 135 it's yeah. 44 meters okay so and yeah. it articulates right it's got like a the bucket articulates yeah. at least uh, if not the arm does too right yeah, so it's got a full um it's got a seven meter, so what's that? Seven twenty-one foot um secondary boom. So yeah. you can elevate over like you I, I watch a lot of videos of training over there, especially truck company stuff, and you know how they're like, Oh, I'll take the portable with you. Yeah. Well, if we site the truck correctly, we don't need to worry about that because we can just articulate down over over the walls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The um, um, the capacity of those trucks, right? That European uh, design on aerials, right? When you start looking at the different aerials that are built overseas, um, the the capacity of what they can do is unbelievable, right? And it's so yeah. funny how here in the states we almost shy away from that type of um, abilities of those trucks or look at them as like, that's too much. That's too involved. That's, you know, um, you know, too, too many, too much electric over hydraulic, like all that, all that nonsense talk. Right. And I think what's interesting though, to put it in perspective, but I love, I'd love your perspective on this is I think why we vilify it here in the States and we love our more simple, traditional straight stick, straight tower ladder, type design is because it's not just the aerial device, but it's how we operate that those trucks are uh, responding in on the initial and they're going to work and need to be set up quickly and efficiently and, and so on. Whereas your model's a little bit different, correct? It's not, you know, you're coming in with yourself and one other guy you're setting up as the incident's been unfolding. Right. I mean, it's, it's not like a truck is assigned to every first out, right? Yeah, no, no, no. So we're, we're called on the second alarm. Mm. So first alarm, you're going to get three pumps. We're probably not there. And our built environment's that little bit different too. And the way we've gone about it is probably a little bit different. Um, historically, like you go back to the 1860s. Have you ever heard of a guy called James Braidwood? I, I recognize the name. I, I can't tell you I know anything about him. So he was the, he's the father of the UK Fire Rescue Service. Um, and he was the first person, and don't 100% quote me, but I'm saying it with like 90% confidence, yeah. to set up a municipal fire department in in the world. Yeah. And he started with Edinburgh, and then he um, he did London. And he wrote some books, and like I've been on a bit of a journey lately. At, we were talking before the show, I've been kind of doing this a little sure. bit in my career, and it's just, it, it, it's ebbs and flows, and everyone gets that. Um, 
And to kind of get myself out of the funk, I've gone back to looking at like his works that he wrote in the 1860s. And I think it sums it up pretty well um, with the quote, what the open door of the ash pit is to the furnace of a steam boiler, the open street door is to the house on fire. In both cases, the door gives vital air to the flames. And I think that sums up our approach in total. Like for 200 years, all we have ever done is try and shut a fire down. And um, it's a stark contrast to the States where all you've done is open them up. And then so you go, well, why is that? Why did we shut them down? Why did you open them up? And you look at our built construction. Sure. We had masonry homes. We had stone like you know everything was stone everything was masonry we did we weren't having combustible compartments to the same scale that we were finding in the us um the buildings are shorter like if you've ever been to london the buildings from that era compared to the buildings in new york uh half the size yeah for sure yeah and they're, they're walk up you know you've got walk up eight-story buildings that if you don't go vent the roof you are going to kill a lot of people because what kills people? It's not fire. Right. It's the smoke, it carbon dioxide. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah, for so long that, and so to, to this day, we still operate on a very anti-vent scheme. We still try and shut it up as much as possible. And that allows us to control the heat release rate to an extent, which is why you see us use smaller lines a lot. So this is, and that was, yeah, go ahead, brother. Go, go, go. And, and and that was one of the reasons why, like on the Elkhart. Um, yeah, like, I was so, just just going to yeah. lead you there. Yeah, yeah. So one of the reasons on the Elkhart um, was quite interesting. Like we're there and we're going in with a 19 mil, which is less than an inch line. <laughs> yeah, this well, an inch an inch is 25.4 millimeter. Just put it in perspective. So you're at like three yeah. quarters of an inch on the on the line. That's that's the line thickness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're flowing. Uh, 25 gallons roughly a minute. It's crazy. And we're going in there. If we're going but, in it's there at, that, but it's at a high pressure though, too, correct? They're high pressure, high pressure lines. And like, yeah. And high pressure lines do do um do give the droplets some dynamics that will allow for greater efficiency. Um but they do have a ceiling and all that kind of sure. stuff. And and like this is really complex and yeah, in-depth well, subject. So let me break this down a little bit because some people listening may not know what you're really talking about here. So Elkhart Brass um, does their brass tax hard facts. Um, they they bring on some of the best guys from across the world to talk and educate through firefighting. Um, what was really cool is they took a field trip over to the UK, right? And you were part of yeah. the invitation to be there uh, representing Australia, um, which is pretty cool, but along with other guys, of course. And there were guys from all over the world that joined Elkhart Brass in the UK for a fire symposium, if you will, of tactics and strategies using European-based European strategy and tactics along with the uh, American strategy and tactics to uh, interior firefighting. And um, this goes from everything from high rise to, uh, you know, flats to single, you know, you name it, room and content, all bread and butter type fires. Right, Jared? So um, yep, yep. talk to me a little bit about that because, man, talk to me. So let me ask you, how excited were you to go to this? I was so jealous watching from the outside. I'm like, man, that is such a cool event. Like, I think it's so powerful what came out of it when you there's a video on youtube 
Um, if you haven't checked it out, go to Elkar Brass and check them out on YouTube. Uh, there's a really cool video uh, that's like 25 minutes long, and it's like a summary of the of the week that that went on there. Um, really cool. But were you like a kid in a candy store like the day you walked in, or what? It was it was one of it is okay. It is the highlight of my career. Full stop. Mm. Uh, um, so that's yeah, awesome. Like, full stop. It was the best. Like so, I've traveled. 24 hours in a plane to get to London to go with some of the biggest names in the fire service um, that Safe Fleet, Elkhart and Gloco and the Fire Services College brought together to, to put on this event. And there was two goals to this event. The first goal was to hold a high-rise operational thoughts um, seminar, right. symposium. Uh, and the reason for that is the high-rise is the first international building like you think about it they don't differ that much like the construction codes for a high-rise today being built anywhere in the world is very similar okay. they may vary on they may vary slightly with levels of fire protection like active passive systems but the skeleton the bones the hydrant systems all that they're all relatively in the realm of similar stuff but we're all still doing different things right like we're fighting in Australia, every right or wrong, every fire brigade in Australia probably uses inch and a quarter line, 38 mil, maybe inch and a half. Yeah, probably inch and a half line and a fog nozzle. That's yep. countrywide and right or wrong, that, that's what we're doing. And right. then you go over to New York and they're using like two and a half with inch and three quarter lead or, you know, Chicago, like. So we kind of wanted to nail down on like, hey, why do you do what you do? And why do we do what we do? And let's go through how this works and what premises you're basing this on. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. And like the premises we base it on is huge, like heaps of different things. Like, do you have enough staff arriving on the first due to staff and move and supply and do all that kind of stuff for two and a half line? Or do you not? Because right. if you don't, you don't. Like there's your operational reality. It's something that, you know, Bobby always talks about. What is your operational reality? Realize that and play to it. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, brought everyone in. Uh, we spent the first two days just as a group of international people. And we had like guys from Italy, Spain, Germany, Ireland, England, myself, um, and uh, North America, we basically went and Morton on Marsh is this massive training ground, man. They've got everything and they, they burn carbonaceous in all of it. Okay. So it's a playground. And yeah. so we just went and really hot fires and put them out doing evolutions. Yeah. And I, what I, what I love about, I just want to hop in real quick. What I, what I really yeah. enjoyed about watching the, I haven't talked to like Chris or Jerry yet about it. I, I, or any of the other guys that have been there. I just, I'd love to hear like, you know how it went, but they really captured, um, uh, they did a nice job storytelling in the YouTube video that they put out and it was so cool. Two things. One, you had a smile on your face the whole time. Like when they were capturing you, you were like, I think you even said it. You're like, I'll do this all day, whatever you want. Like, I'll just, I'll just keep going. Whatever you want to do. This is the best day ever, you know, but <clears throat> what I love about the process and why they did this was it takes all the misnomers out of it. There's so many differences, right? There's a lot of similarities. And I think that's what was found. Like at the end of the day, 
at that event, whether whoever's tactics you're using, the the strategies uh, and tactics might be a little bit different. The equipment might be a little bit different, but the mission overall was very much the same. And it was a lot of commonality that overlapped. Right. But what I think is really cool is when you actually get people in there that want to be there to 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 kind of figure it all out and they they check all the preconceived stuff at the door and they go, well, listen, I, I know what I think I know, but I'm going to check that at the door and I want to learn this week what actually they do, right? It's it's just like in life, man. You, you got to dial in and really learn about uh, something before you can listen to somebody else about it, right? You can form your own opinions based on somebody else's ideas and opinions, but they're not they're not credible, and so in, in this situation, you know, you get guys from all walks of the world to come in and, and, and show off how they do it. it. It You check all the preconceived stuff at the door and it just makes for a magical experience to go like, this is crazy. You guys are using a three quarter inch line, 25 gallons a minute, like, and this is putting out fire like that would never fly here. And I think what was cool and I'd love to hear your take, you, you hit on it before, but a lot of it has to do with building construction and what's burning. Um, and the American market, we need GPM, right? I think that was, that's what was discussed. And some of it is, you know, a lot of places in the American market, we need to have that GPM. We need that. We need to punch it in the face with a lot of water because of the combustibles that are burning versus the older construction, say in the UK, where it's block and, and heavy timber, uh, a lot of ordinary combustibles still, right? It's not a lot of, um, you know, in the older towns, I should say. Um, and yeah. so on. But what's your what's your take on that? Were you surprised by any of the findings or were you were you impressed by any, anything stand out to you that you were like, oh, that's cool. Never thought of that. Never saw that. Um, I'm just the, curious. The first one uh, we had, we had two. So we were in a U camp mm. and we did CFBT tactics up here. And it was really interesting to hear some of the comments from some of the Americans going, man, th- that was really hot. <laughs> that was really hot. And I'm like, oh, that's just. That's what I'm. Yeah, we do like, like to me that was normal, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, you know, it was door control and doing that. And like, I must admit, in the Australian context, we don't use 19 mil. We'd use a 38 mil flow and that much for gas cooling, like the 25 gallons for gas cooling, because you don't want you want tiny little droplets that get eaten by the smoke. But then when we're going for full flow fire attack, we're up to like 125 gallons a minute. Um, but yeah, so like, it was interesting to hear them just sitting in the environment going, yeah, that was really hot. And then when we jumped on the smooth board, we were on inch and three quarter. And I don't know what tip we were using, probably seven eights, <laughs> America's nozzle. Uh, <laughs> but I could not get over how cold I was in that environment. I have never been so cold in a fire. Interesting. And I mean, like, look, it it makes a lot of sense. I flowed 750 litres a minute, so divide that by four. I don't know, like 175 gallon a minute, maybe, somewhere Mm -hmm. around there. I don't know. You guys will know that conversion better than I will. But, yeah, so we flowed that for 30 seconds to put the fire out. So half of that, we've flown that into the space. We, We don't flow that much water. This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop 
to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a four inch manifold of high strength galvanized schedule 10 pipe. The cart manifold are powder coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew, info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo, ask for information, or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform, and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFRSENTME. That's NFRSENTME for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. But the more water you flow, the colder it's going to be. Like sure. No, game. that, right. That makes yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. But what, so, just, but it's more about for you guys, it's more about cooling the compartment. Is that like, I'm just trying to like narrow in on, on the differences here. So, so the gas cooling or smoke cooling is about trying to cool the smoke and only the smoke. Right. So we want to put droplets in this. Like, so when we talk about water distribution through a space, we want to try and marry it up as best we can. So our approach is we're going to use fogs and we're going to allow that fog to do some mixing. And the water that comes from that fog is going to evaporate and cool the smoke. And that's how we're going to advance on the fire. So we're going to inert the gases, cool them, get a little bit of contraction because those cooling gases move forward until we can get a shot on the fire. And at that time, we're doing what you do straight streams full flows drown it the gas cooling is just a means to get from a to b so from the front door to a place we can put water on the fire got it um where the american method or north american method is a surface cooling 
is about, all right, they, they've probably taken into account how difficult it is to put droplets just in the smoke and not have them touch the surfaces, not have them over here, over there. So they've gone, all right, let's call the thing adjacent to the thing we want to call. So let's call the compartment linings. And what happens when we call the compartment linings? They can absorb heat from the smoke plume. Right. Mm -hmm. That's going to cause some cooling. And when we do call the compartment linings, we're also going to get this other effect. We're going to smash up this stream on those linings, and then we're going to get the droplets to do what you do anyway. Right. So we're going to use more water to cool to a lower temperature until we get to the fire and we can kick it in the throat. Right. You know, put mm -hmm. water right on it. Got it. So there's just two different ways of thinking about it. And like the gas cooling, smoke cooling technique, CFBT technique requires some training and requires some, like you have to be constantly practicing it. Discipline. To get it right. There's tremendous discipline yeah. there, right? I mean, it's... Uh... And then it's... Go ahead. It's not just the nozzleman or the nozzle firefighter. It's also the pump operator or the engine operator because they've got to be delivering the flow and pressure to that nozzle so that the droplets that come out of that nozzle are the right size, traveling the right distance and doing the right cooling. Interesting. So it okay. becomes this very, yeah. So like you, it becomes this very high functioning skill that requires investment to maintain mm. to an effective standard. And it requires very skilled instructors to be able to deliver the message without getting it confused, convoluted, or um, spaced out, which like, let's look at it. You can what if your way out of any scenario. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? You right. just told me I've got to do this. Yes. Yeah, so now now we've got all these what ifs where I feel like the North American approach- is We just open a door and start flowing, man. We're a bunch of meatheads, yeah. you know? It's easy. Like, like it's not, it's not easy. It still takes skill to be good with a nozzle. <laughs> no, of course. Like, yeah. I don't want to hate emails from a few of my mates over there going, what are you calling me? It That's... still takes a lot of skill to be great with a nozzle, but you guys are ensuring that you're going to get calling and that's going to be good. Sometimes if we're uneducated, if we're not as maintained as we like to be, we might not be as confident in what we're doing. I got it. We're like you guys, General Patton, that overwhelming, was it General Patton, overwhelming force or yes. one of the generals? Yes. US general, overwhelming force all the time. That's that's the way you guys hit it. And it works and they both work. The funniest thing was we both thought we were steaming the hell out of each other. Interesting. <laughs> like, Interesting. Oh, you guys use that fog stuff. You must steam the hell out of people. Yeah. And we're like, oh, you guys use that straight string stuff. You must steam the hell out of people. That's funny. That's funny. But there's yeah. commonality, right? Right there, right? It's like that, you know, yeah. this this method is going to certainly do this to us, right? And and so on. But I think it's cool. And I, I remember in the video, I watched it quite a while ago when it came out. But um, yeah. I do remember, though... Um, a lot of guys from North America were coming out going, that's pretty interesting. That's cool that, yeah. you know, it works. Like I was surprised, you know, and, and so on. I think, I think being There's able to view in that. Yeah. Sorry. There is no, one interview it. in that where I don't know what day it is or where I am. <laughs> Cause I was that beat up. <laughs> I felt like I, you know, like after the football, like that, the interview on the team. Right. I felt like I was just there, like 
the fire fire went out real quick. Um, <laughs> physically, physically there, mentally was there three days ago. Yeah, I get yeah. it, man. I get it. But what a what a great opportunity, right? And oh. um, and not only that, but to be able to share, you know, experience and tactics and strategies with with such a group of of guys uh, from all over the world is just an incredible opportunity for sure. So I can understand why that was a highlight for you. There's no doubt. Oh, and you've got to get out of your backyard. Like, Damn, you're you so freaking good at this. I was literally just going to walk you down that path, and you just went right there. One of the things that we said, this is Larry. This is why I love talking to you. There's no segueing with you. You do it. I just sit back and listen. Get outside of your firehouse. We talked about that before we started recording it. We were going to talk about it, and then there you go. You just hop. Jesus, I'm done. I'm going to sit back. You just go. We got 32 minutes left. Let's go. All right, so um, <laughs> I don't expect everyone to be like I spend a lot of my own money chasing these opportunities. Sure, and um, it comes at a cost. And I've got a very supportive family and a very supportive fiance who's like, "Just go do it," because I don't want to deal with you if you missed out on this opportunity. But it is the best thing I've ever done for myself, personally, professionally. Both of them. It just ticks so many boxes for me. And it allows me to go explore, find like-minded people, learn from some of the best in the business and kind of have a very holistic approach at everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that if you can afford it, even if it's like two hours from your hometown and there's like a micro conference on with someone you've never heard speak, go see them, Try go it. listen to them. I guarantee you, you will never go to a speaker and not take something away. Even if that something is, that was that was really not what I want to do. Well, yeah. now you're 100% no, you definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think um, there's so much to that. I know for me that as as uh, life has moved on here um, and, you know, several years in with National Fire Radio, it's opened up so much opportunity for me to to get out there and to meet people, but also to take classes and go to conferences and do hands on opportunities that I never really pursued prior to National Fire Radio because I just didn't have the ability to do so. Uh, I was working so much and fam young family and this and that. But I will tell you, since I found these opportunities, um, I need it. Like, and that's the mm. selfish side. It's one thing to like better your game, be a better firefighter. It makes me, it's not just that for me. It For me, it's about becoming a better person, a more rounded person. I always thought that I knew, you only know what you know. And a lot of people get comfortable with that and say, well, I'm very happy with who I am, what I do, what my hobbies are, who my friends are. And they don't go outside of that because it's it takes work, right? And it takes some uh, insecurities, right, to pursue something new that you might not be good at, or you know, tr try to open up and become a little vulnerable with some new people, like my buddy for Jared Mann from Australia, right? And it's like, you know, we didn't have to go to dinner, I didn't have to extend a friend invitation, but I wanted to because it was important to me. You open yourself up for opportunity when you put yourself out there. And I, I think there's so much to that. But my point of all this is, in a, in, a, in a roundabout way, is opportunity makes you better. And I, I know for me, the more opportunities I take today, um, and it's certainly a trade-off, right? If I choose to go away for the weekend for training or I choose to go and do this or that, it takes away from something else in my life. But 
I also know that I need to be good in life to be good at home, and I need to be fulfilled to be a good father and a good husband and a and a good uh, you know employee and and all those things, right? So like I need personal fulfillment, and you have to you have to pursue that. And so you know, for me, finding National Fire Radio and then and then which led me to relationships, friendships, conferences, training. It's made me not just a better firefighter, but a better person because I need those challenges. Are you similar? Hundred percent. Like, if you're, and let's face it, the people listening to this are sick and twisted, like you. And yeah, I agree. See this I agree. As, as a vocation, and they're really into the job. I mean, no one's listening to this if they're not into the job. I agree. Um, getting that fulfillment out of the job brings you so much more energy and time outside of it. Like. As I said, I was going through ebbs and flows. And we I all do, brother. We all do. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's it's been hard. And what I've noticed is that when I'm down about the job, I'm bringing that home with me and I don't want to. Like, I don't want to be bringing it home. I don't want to be doing it. But I'm not who I am. And my partner, my fiance, Laura, is like, you need to, to recenter. You need to go find yourself in this again because you're a lot better version of yourself when you're there. And I'm lucky I've got October coming up, which will be great. That'll probably re-energize me a bit. Um, going back and doing another one of these hot conferences. Yeah, it's awesome. But if 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 you're out there listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, maybe I need to do that, but it costs a lot or like th- there's a level of personal investment. Think back to when you started National Fire Radio. That was, there was sacrifice. There was a lot of risk you were jumping on that and when you jumped on that risk it paid off dividends but it was a risk in the initial yeah 100 percent, 100 it's still a risk but but it is paid off sure exponentially oh absolutely yeah, absolutely like you, you can't even look back at the investment that you put in and go oh man yeah like i don't even know how to quantify it against that dollar value I put in, that time value I put in, because where I am today was worth every single bit of it. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that? I want to piggyback on that because I get that. It's hard to sell that to your spouse. It's hard to sell that to your children, right? That, you know, what they value is time away. You know, your kids look at, you know, are you home or are you not home, right? Your wife looks at the bank account. You know, and, and it's not a shallow thing. I mean, she wants me to be happy. She wants me to be fulfilled because that does make me a better husband and father. But we also have bills to pay. And so you there's this there's this really fine balance that you have to be able to navigate all this. Um, I will say this, you know, I've come to learn money is not everything. And I, I didn't I didn't I thought I knew that. But. I got caught up in a lot of growing up and, and living life. Like I got caught up in the, in the, the things that I thought I needed or wanted. And then you look back at the pile of shit in your house and you go, what? I didn't need that. I don't need this. Like these, you know, and, and I think that's important too. Right. Um, It's, it's really an interesting conversation. I've been finding with, with, with the podcast and talking with guys um, as much as I do. I'm starting to realize that there's so many, par- I mean, obviously there's parallels between the fire service and real life. And it's how you, how you carry yourself. If you're not good in, in the real world, 
you're not going to be good in the firehouse, right? And you said that before, right? That that your fiance said, like, you need to get yourself better. Like, whatever it takes, you got to go do that. Self-centered, right? Get yourself centered, right? I think you said. That's yeah. so important. And I, I challenge people to understand and to maybe or try to understand to put things in perspective about what truly is important, right? I think too often we get too caught up in what we think are priorities when in fact they should be number six, seven, and eight on the list. And there's one through five that are much more important than what you're truly worrying about today. And so when I talk about different things and different topics about the fire service, a lot of it relates back just to life. And I've, listen, I've never, I've not always been this way. I mean, you know, I've always been a free thinker and a creative guy and all that, but I've really over the years have come to understand more about life, about who I am, my needs, my wants, my desires, and how important they are, how important your family is, how important your spouse is, <clears throat> excuse me. And that all translate right back to the back step of the fire truck, right? Because we, we got to be in a good place. The only way you're going to be able to do your job and do it well and consistent, right, is if you're in a good place. And you alluded to something that I think is, is really important because I struggle with it. I'm struggling with it right now. You talk about the highs and lows of the job. You know, you go on a, you're going to go away in October, do hands-on, you're going to come back, you're going to be fired up, and you're going to be riding a high for three weeks, and then all of a sudden that fourth week, you're like, man, nothing's changing here, right? I just spent like an incredible couple days away, comes back, I'm fired up, I'm going a couple fires, things are good, things get a little slow, administration smacks back a little bit on something, right? Or you have a, a tiff in the firehouse with somebody, and all of a sudden it goes right back to that, like, this sucks, man. Like, I, you know, and it's, so many of us ride those waves of emotion, right? And it's like, how do we navigate that, right? For you, like, what what brings you back up? Like, what recenters you? Talking with you guys, yeah, like, I get you it. Know, I reach out to you, like you know, like I sent you a message the other day because it was Friday your time, and I'm like, you're going to Augustinos, yeah. Hope you and Terry have a great time. <laughs> um, you know, or I reach out to like Pip or Bobby, like any of my friends sure. overseas or locally here. And I'm just like, hey, man, I need, like, I, I don't need to talk fire. I just need to just reach connect out. with you because you're the same mindset. And if you're happy, that'll bring me happy. Um, it's hard. Like, I read a lot of Marcus Aurelius and a bit of Stoicism stuff. And, you know, I don't know if you know Marcus Aurelius much. I'm by not. Meditation. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. So he he has a good one, and it always. But this is the way I center myself. The quote is: "You're angry at the world as if the world would care." Mm. You're, you're ang angry. Hold at the on. World. You're angry at the world as if the world would care. And basically what it's saying is we can't choose what happens, but we can choose how we react to it. Which brings me back to your question, which was, what do you do? Well, you choose how you're going to react to that funk. You choose how you can bring yourself out of it. So like I've started preparing the presentation for Morton. I've engaged with a lot of my buddies who play in that space to get their thoughts and opinions. I've started reading Pass It On 3 because that's always good fun to read. Um, I've started reminding myself when I'm at work, washing the truck, that, hey, remember when you were six years old mm. 
and you wanted to grow up to be a firefighter, well, buddy, you achieved one of those things. You became a firefighter. Still waiting to grow up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's it's, yeah, it's like, hard though, no? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's not easy, but it's self-discipline. Um, and that's the way you've got to look at it. Like You've got to be disciplined in yourself to be able to regulate your response to things because you don't get to choose what happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, the other, I think the other part too is, um, you know, you and I surely have friends that have gone down the other path of how to deal with these things. Um, yeah. and, and that gets very dark. And, um, and that's why I kind of asked a little bit because for me, you know, I, 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 I haven't dealt with that firsthand myself. I don't have those demons that I, that, can pop up on me. I just, I don't, I've never had, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, but I know so many that do and it's, you know, finding ways of how to deal with the highs and lows and the stresses. Um, these are things that are super important to, um, all of us and that we need to be protective of each other when it comes to this. Um, the job is career volunteer. It doesn't matter what kind of firehouse you're in. The job goes up, the job goes down. It's just like life. You have good days, you have bad days. Today I had a flat tire. Tomorrow I want a hundred bucks on a scratch off ticket. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, it's, it's the highs and lows. It's how we deal if with you care, mm. I'll just jump in there. Yeah, if please. you care about it, if you care about it, like you do, because you're listening to this podcast, don't stop kidding yourself. You do care. Yeah. It's going to hit, it's going to hit you harder because the highs and lows mean a little bit more to you than to the bum on the seat next to you. Who's just, like who just does this, whether they be career or volunteer. If you care about this, it's going to hit you harder or both of them. The high is going to hit you harder. Like you're going to be unbearable when you're in a high because you're going to want to tell everyone about the last pie that you slayed and the grab that you made or the smoke that you ate. And the lows are going to hammer you when stuff's not going right. And whether it be poor leadership, whether it be administration, whether it be getting on people around the firehouse and all that kind of stuff, um, whether it be that you're just going through a slow patch um, that, that's having that effect on you, it's going to hit you harder than it hits just the average. Well, not the average. That's not the right way of saying it. Someone who doesn't have the same level of investment. You are so right on this. And I never even really thought about this because the only way I know is to go all in. And I never even thought yeah. about those slugs or those guys that just do this because they do it. They don't they don't have the highs and lows of the job. They're just always low. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just, they don't. If, if you stay here, you don't move from here. Right. If you go here to equal out, you must come down here. When you have passion in something, you're going to ride the highs and lows of it because you're, you're invested. It's important to you, right? It's something that you choose to be invested in. And when you're invested, just like uh, the stock market, right? Goes up one day down yeah. the next, right? It's like, if you're invested you're a money guy, that you you ride those highs and lows in the fire service. If you're invested in the fire service, it's something you're super passionate about, making yourself better, making your company better, being on a good department, all those things. When it does let you down or you do have a bad day, you're certainly going to be affected by that because you're in and you're all in, right? I never thought, yeah. thank you. That was that was a really good that was a really good point, man. I never thought of it that way because 
I always just consider myself all in and, and I'm passionate about everything that I do. And that's including my friends like yourself. And like, if you're down, I'm down, man. I want to, and then that means I need to help pick you up. And if you reach out and you're like, Hey man, just checking in. I'm like, all right, cool. He needs, he needs a quick five minutes, 10 minutes. Right? Like that's what, that's what matters when you invest in people and invest in your department. Like be prepared, be prepared to be let down. Be prepared to, to have a bad day. Be prepared to have a guy stunt your growth. Be prepared to want to just run the equipment or, or run the 250 line, 300 line off the rear in training and somebody's like, you don't need to fucking do that. We're not doing that today. Don't get discouraged. Don't let those people, don't let those people change your attitude. And, and certainly don't give up your beliefs in who you are and what you want out of this job because somebody else is, is the naysayer. Yeah, 100%. And look, some days too, you might be, you might need to back off a little bit mm. for your own safety. Like, you know. Yes. I, everyone. Yeah. That, yeah everyone that you watch on, on these things, like, and, and become like, like, like you have this image of them and then you meet the people and you understand they're just like you. Right. So they too have these, like, no one is a hundred percent into this a hundred percent of the time Can't and that's be. okay. Mm -hmm. You can't be, you, right. you've got to, you've got to give yourself a break sometimes. And if it's, if it's a struggle, yeah, be gentle on yourself, you know, have fun with it, <sighs> have fun with it. I think a lot of it in today's day and age is we're, we're forgetting that this like James Mullins, what was that? The the oh, the young firefighter, James uh, Muller. James Mullen. Yeah. Have fun with it. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Best job in the world. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And that's stuck with me, man. Like, who who wants to walk into a firehouse, regardless of where you ride? the type of department you're a member of, whether you're a 4,000-member department in Australia or a 20-member volunteer department in Iowa, who wants to walk into a place, regardless if it's the firehouse, the Elks Club, the Lions Club, the Library Foundation, whatever the frig you're a member of, why would you want to be a member of something that doesn't do anything for you? A place where you can't ride a high, a place where you can't be happy, where you can't be yourself. Right. These are all things that like we really need to look at here. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Like I brother, I agree. Like we need yeah. to be conscious of that. We have a job to do professionally and proficiently, but shit, we can have fun along the way. You know, I think about how many people love those old like New York City videos, you know, this stuff that was on like A and E, you know, Brothers in Battle, like that type of stuff. And everybody David loved Ways, Joe Angelini. Right. Like yeah. And if you think about if you think about those videos, the firefighting is one part of it. But I think that most of the clips you see put on social media from those old school 80s, you know, uh, A&E specials, Brothers in Battle, Firehouse, all those shows and stuff. Right. It's the camaraderie stuff. It's the brotherhood stuff. It's the fun stuff. It's the kitchen talk, the bumper talk, the back of the rescue, going to a fire where they're busting each other's chops. That's the stuff that guys like. 
That's the stuff yeah. that gets played the most on social media. So the firefighting aspect, of course, is one thing. We all love watching fires. We all love buffing fires. But it's the other stuff. And the thing that pisses me off is those guys had that because they checked all their ego and bullshit at the door, and they were allowed to have that because they allowed each other to be themselves. If 100%. you If you watch those videos right? There's nobody looking over their shoulder. There's nobody concerned about, you know, if I say something wrong or incorrect or, or this or that, these guys are being themselves and loving every step of the process. And when you do that and you give yourself to this job, career or volunteer, when you give yourself to it, the reward is a hundred times over, a hundred times over. I had a young fiery come up to me. Sorry, fiery is firefighter. It's Australian speak. We yeah. have to shorten everything. Um, <laughs> but a young fiery came up to me uh, a while back, and I went to this this, this shift and um, the shifts like, like this young fiery is an extremely motivated firefighter. They're a very they're very good at the fire ground operations and what they do, and they wanted their their shift to be as good as them. So they wanted to do training and you know. This is the type of firefighter to train the whole shift right? and be stoked and come in the next day and train the whole shift. And they want to play darts. They want to hang out in the kitchen. They want to do that kind of stuff. And the firefighter, he goes to me, well, they're always up there doing that and they should be down here doing this. And like, you know, some of them probably should be down there training because they probably need to hone their skills a bit better um, and maintain them. But at the same time, I turned around to him and I said, do you go do what they do? Do you go play darts? No, I don't. Do you go Do you go jump in the kitchen and hang out and help cook and do the meal and all that kind of No, no, because train. And I'm like, you can't expect them to do what you want if you don't do what they want. It's a give and take. So if you want brotherhood, and we throw that, we throw that word around. Oh, yeah, so we if you want brotherhood, you've got to go be a brother. And going and being a brother means two things. Checking your ego and stop taking score. Mm. Stop taking score of what, like, oh, they didn't do this. They didn't do this chore. This is the 30th day I've emptied the bins. Nobody cares. Work harder. Be a brother. You know, like, yeah. Anyway, so, like, I love that. I right, check your ego and stop keeping score. Yeah, check your ego, stop keep, keeping score. Like, just leave it all there, and then like sit down as a shift, come together as a shift, as a company, as a station, whatever you want to call yourselves, and work out what you all like doing, and work out what you all don't like doing. So go around the table. Hey, brother, what brings you to work? What do you get out of it? Is it playing darts? Because that's an important part of this job. That's the camaraderie. That's the debrief. That's the stress relief. That's the fun time. It's an important part of the job. Is that what brings you through those doors at the start of every shift? Is it cooking? Is it training? Is it going to fires? Is it going out building inspecting? Is it going and doing community service? What is it that brings you through those doors? Sick. Write the list. All right. What don't you like in the when you walk through those doors? And like for me, you know, I don't like when people don't have a switch. So when they can't determine when it's time to have fun and when it's time to right. we're on here. So like for me, if we're on the motor room floor, we're working. 
it's time to work. If we're in the kitchen, you're not allowed to bring up, like you're not allowed to bring a drill into the kitchen. Right. We don't drill in the kitchen. We have fun in the kitchen. We drill in the motor room. Yeah, makes that, sense. So yeah. But yeah, go around, find out what no, find out what everyone doesn't like doing. And then plan your day. Your day's written. Your shift's written. Your month's written. All you gotta do is fill in, a, in with the other stuff. Like, okay, today we're gonna train ladders, tomorrow we're gonna train lines, next week we're gonna do some rope stuff. I I love I love man, I love this conversation. Check your ego and stop keeping score. Guys love keeping score, man. You know? And I think when you keep score, it's no longer about the whole, it's about you as the individual. And why are you angry at the world as if the world would care? There it is. <laughs> Dang, like that's how I see it. Like if you're keeping score. Who's getting angry here? Do you reckon yeah. the rest of the shifts get angry? Yeah. No, you're getting angry. Right. And now you're bringing your bad attitude to work and you're going to make them angry. And then we're all just going to be angry. And we're going to sit here in our angry station and just yell at each other. I fucking love you, man. I really do. This <laughs> has been, it's been a great conversation. I, I can't, God, I don't, I want to, I want to keep going after this because it, it's so important. You, you mentioned, you know, about that kid, like, well, do you go up and play darts? Do you go up and hang out? Do you go up and socialize? Or you're just all about training? It's the it's the other end of the spectrum. Usually it's the other way. Guys are lazy, want to sit in the recliners and watch TV or not train. And then the kids get mad because they just want to train. But it has to go both it has to flow both ways. And when you when you establish trust in a firehouse, in a fire company, and go back to those New York City guys riding the back step in those 1980s AE videos, it's they all have fun. They all train and they do everything together. Meal prep, right? Mickey Farrell was on my pocket. First time Mickey was on our podcast, he talked about learning where to fit in. And he said the perfect way is the kitchen. If you're doing a sausage and peppers and one guy's starting to cut the onion and the peppers are sitting on the counter, you don't even have to ask. You just get in and start, start cutting peppers. It's where to fit in, but everybody needs to be a part of the equation, right? And that's what's important. We can't keep score about you're doing that and I'm doing this, but my mine is more valuable than yours. No, playing darts can be just as valuable as doing a, a dashboard role in a vehicle for extrication training. Like it, they can exactly be the same. And if, and maybe more so the darts could be more important on some days because we needed to recenter our group together in a camaraderie sense and not so much the training aspect, right? Sometimes we lose track of that brotherhood and the camaraderie and we're still proficient on our training, but we're not proficient on supporting one another. And maybe we need to focus on that a little bit more. Um, and brother, that's just a, a great way to say it, man, and sum that up. It's awesome. So, so like, yeah, we watched those videos, right? And everyone had the dreams of being those guys. 100%. Do you want to know the secret to being those guys? Go be a brother first and the rest comes. Yeah. Because if you go go be a brother first you get, or sister, go be a brother or sister go work on that cohesiveness in the fire station. This job is about being in the fire station. When you break it all up, like even training, if you look at any journal paper on training, we've got about an hour and a half in us maximum before we start waning. Right. So if, if we go like work on being the brother or sister in the firehouse that we need to be, um, and, you know, when, when we're doing training, we do it at 100% and we do all of it at 100% guess what? You're going to have that career that those guys had. You're going to 
feel what those guys did. And it's going to give you the reward that so many people are looking for out of this job. Jared, man, you're a rock star. You are too, bro. I absolutely enjoy my conversations with you. And if you didn't live 24 hours across the globe, I would give you a big kiss on that big head of yours. Um, I appreciate you, man. What a, what a, we had, you and I had no idea what we were going to talk about today. This was literally like two friends just catching <laughs> up. And instead of talking on the phone, I was like, why don't we just record it, man? We'll just, we'll just have some conversation. Um, I want to say this, you know, we, like we were talking, we all go through the ups and downs of the job. I know right now you said you're, you're kind of in a, in a valley somewhere and you're on your, hopefully on your way back up. Uh, me too. I'm right there with you. Um, but conversations like this certainly help. Um, get me back to a good headspace of where I want to be in the firehouse. And um, I just want to thank you for that. And I, I want to stress to the people that do listen to these episodes that that's what this is all about, man. Surround yourself with people that make you feel better about yourself, that pick you up, that recognize that you need that pickup. Yesterday, I spent the day in uh, Port Chester, New York. You and I talked about this very quickly. I was just explaining, but I want to I want to talk about this real quick. Port Chester, New York. We got an invitation to go there and see the department. I knew I knew some stuff about them. Uh, pretty busy, all volunteer department. They run about fifteen hundred to seventeen hundred fire runs a year. No EMS. Uh, it's two point two square miles, real urban setting, if you will. And they have every everything you can imagine from large single family up to you know high rise tenement uh you know mid rises taxpayers uh you know residential over commercial you name it they have it they have obstacles everywhere um and uh this was a department that blew me away yesterday and uh i spent the day with them uh we documented a lot of what they do we talked with a lot of their guys the most rewarding thing for me was for probably I would say it went for two hours, but I'm going to say an hour was recorded of it. Just sitting around their table in their, in their apparatus bay, smoking a cigar with probably 10 guys and just talking fire stuff. It was fucking awesome, bro. And that to me was like just the recharge that I needed to get out of my to get out of my funk. And it's funny because it's like guys, a lot of guys were, um, you know, uh, pretty social group, but they were all kind of standoffish, not standoffish. They were, they were, they were all kind of quiet until they were willing to start stepping up when guys started talking and then they all started talking. And then some guys pulled me aside, you know, when I walked around the corner and another guy came up, he's like, Hey man, I'm not a big camera guy, but you know, I just want to say, you know, and, and we'd have a conversation for five, 10 minutes and, um, super cool. But even at the busiest firehouses, guys go through the ups and downs of the job. So it's, yeah. it's how we get out of that and get back to the highs of the job, um, you know, and, and, and so on. And I, I just think that that's important. And um, surrounding yourself with good people, I'm fortunate because, you know, I, I've opened up my phone to an international group of friends now. So I have a ton of people that I can lean on when I need to. And I'm grateful. I have more friends today. And I will say this. I have more good friends today than I ever had in my life, you know. National Fire Radio has provided me such an opportunity to have solid people in my life that treat me well, and I treat and and I want to believe that we are the best of friends, um, and and that's important to me because you know everybody's got friends growing up, but as you get older, your friend group starts to get thinner and thinner. Mine's getting bigger and bigger, and I'm grateful for that. And it's guys like you that keep me on the right track, and it's conversations like this that make me feel good about myself and and moving forward. So. Gerard, man, thank you, pal. Thanks for being my friend. And, um, Thanks for being a brother. Just, 
Just before we sign off, yeah. sorry, yeah. Pip, for probably stepping into your territory with the size up. Screw him. I'm not you worried. don't have a monopoly on it. We're allowed to talk about things too. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, in fact, he, he can't even articulate a point of view on this stuff. He's just he's not as smart as us. You know that. So. Anyway, my man, I, I can't thank you enough for this recharged conversation. Um, and I just want to challenge anyone that listens to this episode, man. There's a couple great one-liners in here. Be a brother and everything else comes. You're angry at the world as if the world cares. Check your ego and stop keeping score and stay curious. It's awesome, brother. Thank you for some great one-liners today. Um, like I said, I always appreciate you and our friendship. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Um, any last words? Anything uh, people want to reach out to you? Where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, Jared, man. Uh, yeah. That's probably cool. the best place. That's where I spend all my time. And check him uh, out. When, like, when when this guy speaks, he does a lot of high-rise stuff. Jerry Tracy's a good friend of his. They they travel. They do some uh, training together. Uh, I have not had the uh, luxury of, of sitting through one of their classes yet, but I can't wait to do so um, the next time it's it's uh, at a place that I can get to. Um, I'd love to hear it. But, brother, I know you're doing great things on the training end, um, and we didn't even scratch on any of that, but uh, keep Keep up the hustle, pal. You're doing great stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And thanks for listening. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Anytime you got an open, you got an open invitation. You know that anytime you need a recharge, you call me and we'll, we'll hop on and bullshit. So stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you. Okay, pal. Awesome guys. Gerard, man, a good friend of mine from across the globe. Um, check him out, man. Check him out. Friend him on Instagram. Send him a DM. He loves to talk. He's a social guy and uh, he loves the job. So anyway, thank you for tuning in. National Fire Radio podcast, stronger than ever. We appreciate the community support and the friendship that you all give. Um, thanks for tuning in and do me a favor. Take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. And uh, in the words of Gerard Mann, be a brother and everything else will come. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.